Well, today we're looking at the ending of the Gospel of Luke, and we're celebrating the ascension of Jesus. Now, Luke is the only one that directly records the ascension in a gospel. Now, I know what you're thinking. What about in Matthew with the Great Commission? Well, technically, he just tells them what to do. He doesn't ascend. So it is Luke uh, only. And Luke does this fantastic job of connecting the two books that he is responsible for writing, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, and he connects them with the account of the ascension. In the book of Luke, we read all that Jesus began to do and teach. And in the book of Acts, we read all that Jesus continues to do and teach. Only now it is through the ministry of his disciples as they are filled with his spirit. And today, in only three verses, Luke's gospel text shows us that Jesus ascends into heaven before them, that he blesses his disciples, and that the disciples respond in worship and return in joy. And as I spent some time with this text this week, I just loved how at the beginning of Luke's gospel at Jesus' birth, and then again at his ascension, it ends with both worship and blessing. At the beginning, it was the shepherds who were worshiping, and it was uh, uh, um, uh, Simon and Anna who were giving the blessings. At the end here, it is the disciples who are worshiping Jesus, the true Jesus the one who has brought peace on earth and goodwill to us all, the one who brings forgiveness and salvation. And at the very end, it is now Jesus who is doing the blessing. And while the ascension is the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, his ministry, like I said before, continues first through the apostles and even down to you and I today. And if you're wondering now, well, why did Jesus have to ascend? We learn a couple of things from his ascension. First, we know where he is. See, it's important to know that Jesus did not die again, that there wasn't nor will there ever be a second death. And there certainly isn't some mysterious podcast of Jesus' disappearance that we could listen to. See, Jesus presented himself as alive to his apostles. No longer would he die, for he is alive today and will be forever. And the Christian faith is actually grounded in the eyewitness testimony of the apostles who encountered Jesus alive after his death as he appeared to Mary, then to the disciples, to over 500, and then eventually to the Apostle Paul. It is this faith that has been confirmed from the first century to now. And I would like to go as far as saying that our testimony, while it may not be an eyewitness account of seeing Jesus alive, is a testimony to Jesus as being alive, as we in the church experience Jesus as he is present with us in worship, as he is alive and present to us in our prayer and communal life that we live together as we live in hope and certainty that this is not the end, but that he will come again once and for all. Now, not only do we know that Jesus is alive, but through our creed, we know and confess and believe that he is in heaven, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and what that image being at the right hand of the Father means is that he is one now who has complete power and authority. The right hand is the closest position that is given to that one who has complete trust and honor. Paul said it best here in Ephesians chapter 1 where he said when he was raised Christ from the dead, he was seated at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, far above power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. That's you and I, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. 
And I don't know about you, but I need to hear that today. That Jesus Christ has all rule, all power, all authority, all dominion, all majesty. That he rules over all things for the sake of his church. And that is why he has gone and ascended into heaven. For in his absolute power, it is he alone who knows what is best for the church and what is best for each one of us, even when we don't quite understand what is going on. We are those who stand in faith, who know and believe that he is in charge over everything and is always working for the sake of his church and us. So that when hard times and persecution come, we do not fear, but we stand. For in him, in his power and by his grace, we will prevail. And we must trust no matter what comes. And again, we do need to hear that today. In chaos and war, our God is not absent. That even, those th- those, even though those things exist and happen, it does not mean that God has no power or that these things were just too great for him. Rather, in spite of those things, he remains to give hope and healing. He remains in the midst Friends, that, that alone is real power and authority. The promise that he has made, the reminder to our very souls of everything that he has done before and everything that he will continue to do. We are not the first to live through evil times, nor will we likely be the last. But like those who have gone before us, we know that it is only through the power of Jesus that things like brokenness and horror do not win. But it is the one who is greater than the storm, who wins and brings redemption and restoration, brings truth and hope even in the darkest of moments. We believe that Jesus is not just sitting up there in some chair But when it's his right hands, it means he is free to do what he pleases, go where he pleases by his spirit with authority and power. And he goes with the purpose of blessing, blessing his church. And the way that he comes alongside each one of us and serves us in his church. And the way that he brings grace and mercy and love in a truly powerful way then by his spirit empowers us, you and I, to do the same, to be the church. It's like Pastor Stottero spoke last week. Not about what the church is against, but what the church is for. For loving, for serving, for bringing hope in trying times, and for bringing certainty that our God reigns. His ascension means his earthly ministry is done, but our God never is. You know, Jesus said that about his father in John chapter 5. He said, my father is always working to this very day, and so he is too. When he ascends, he doesn't take a vacation or a 15-minute break. He's at work in the world, at work in each one of us and in all things. Our God is never done moving. And as his children, as his disciples, we will never be done working, 
We will confidently wait and we will continually praise the same God who died and rose for us. Amen? But we haven't even died into the real text yet. So let's get there. We're in Luke 24. Look at me just getting all excited about the ascension and what it means. But here we go. Luke 24. Let's actually read it, right? He said to them, this is Jesus speaking, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. There in that upper chamber with Jesus, scripture for the disciples becomes a very new book. No longer was it just moralism and what to do or what not to do. It wasn't just these out-of-touch prophecies that were unclear or were far off or were being, you know, misinformed. The scriptures became life in the name of Jesus. The word became the God who was with us. All of scripture pointing to and centering on Jesus Christ. And for the disciples, the word becomes suddenly, when their minds were open, something they were hungry for. They were hungry to speak it, hungry to read it, hungry to live it. Friends, do not ever forget how earnestly and constantly our Lord was always appealing to the testimony of the word. He fulfilled every prophecy, every callback through his ministry that he would point back and say, this is why this must happen. Jesus was always calling us to look and hear his words. And you know as well as I do how the word is new each time we come to it. What happens to us when it allows the Word of God to speak and mold us and open up our minds, open up our hearts? And here Jesus makes it very clear. Do not miss the message. Make sure that you know about and have confidence in the power and authority of who He is. And more than just His power and authority, know about the love of God that is for each one of us that comes to us in Jesus. And why we must, we must place our trust in him and him alone. See here, by pointing this out, Jesus says, don't you know that it's necessary for these things to happen, for the Christ to suffer? It was necessary for him to die and rise. Jesus wanted them to understand that the cross was not just some unfortunate obstacle that had to be hurdled and somehow gotten his way, but it was a necessary part of God's redemptive plan for us. And that would it be, and then the name of a crucified and risen Savior, that repentance now and remission of sins would be given to the whole world through death. That the message very clearly is that God loved you so very much that he went to the cross so that nothing would ever separate you from him ever again. Certainly nothing in this life. That's the real power. That real power would come, would come in spite of evil, death, pain, torture, betrayal, all the very worst things that this world has to offer. That in Christ, by Christ, and through Christ, the evil that dominates our news feeds and our headlines has shown for what power it really has none. Horrible for sure, and in every way, the worst. But the power stripped from it, as Paul wrote in Colossians. Jesus has taken it away and nailed it to the cross. He has disarmed the powers and authorities of this world, made a public spectacle of them by triumphing over what they held greatest, the ability to kill and separate. 
and he showed them that in him it is impossible. The word stands crystal clear that the power and purpose of our Lord has been confirmed. God himself promises from generation to generation to send out his power and his spirit of love and hope to this world. And he tells the disciples that you are witnesses of these things. He says, I am now going to send you out with what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with the power from on high. They were told by Jesus, this is what you will preach. This is what you will say. This is where you will preach it. This is how you will preach it. And with this understanding that the word of God is not reduced to moralism or just some really cool heroic story, but that the word of God brings power, hope, life that must be spoken, must be preached, must be called out. To preach or to speak the gospel in Jesus' names means that we preach it under his orders. It means that each one of us is to speak to what Jesus has done. That each one of us is to speak and live this message of Jesus. There are a lot of things to get excited about in life. But what would it look like if we took just a little of the passion we had about topics and the things we debate about and put them instead towards witnessing to the message of Jesus? I don't know about you, but I've been talking about Obi-Wan since Friday. If I took 10% of that, not including this sermon right now, man, think of how that might change the world and us, our families, and those we work alongside to bear witness to the message of Christ, to preach it on His authority. Do you know what that means when He sends you out? It means that He's not just saying, you can speak about whatever you want to talk about, and people will think it's interesting. No, he says, I'm empowering you and calling you to speak this very message. Uniquely gifting each one of us and uniquely placing each one of us to bear witness to Christ. To bear witness to the forgiveness and hope that we have in Jesus. That's what next week, that's what Pentecost and Acts is all about. About receiving the power of the Holy Spirit that we have been given in our baptism. And I love how he says, stay in Jerusalem until you get it. He says, stay in this moment right here, and then I'll send you out. But no spoilers, right? you got to wait till next week. I know enough. No spoilers. That's next week about being sent out. Today, just live in it, right? Look at verse 50. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, you remember that, right? That's where he was praised to the king of kings when he was coming in Palm Sunday. He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. He blesses, they worship, and they return in joy. What a profound pattern to model our days after, is it not? God blessing you. Jesus Christ himself speaking words of blessing over you. You worship, and you go out in joy. Because this blessing of Jesus is just simply him pronouncing his victory and giving, giving gifts and equipping you and I. A blessing that says, no matter what happens, go. 
Go, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go, I will give you the words to say. Are you afraid that you might make a mistake, that someone might stump you with a question that you don't have the answer for? He doesn't say you have to have every answer. He says, go. He says, go in love as you have been loved. Go and don't be afraid, but rather take heart, for he has overcome the world. And then we see later on in the New Testament that God has given each one of us those gifts. And that he has brought us together. Look around. As one family of faith that grows in relationship with God and with each other. Designating each one of us to be the recipients of his grace and blessing us. And a real blessing, not blessings of rich and wealth, no promise of a really fancy throne or an upper management position or a life where there will never be pain. Rather, in true power and authority to take the very worst that would define you, your sin, that which we strive to hide from others and are afraid to speak of. And by the power of his word, say, you are forgiven. Past sins, forgiven. Present sins, forgiven. Future sins, forgiven. So now, go. Speak and love. Not by your own abilities, not by your own gifts. But in trust. rest in our Lord because the only power that can truly work in brokenness, the only power that can truly work in loss, the only true power that can even speak hope in times of death and chaos is the power of the God who moves in us the God who lives in us the God who loves us the one who takes those of us who are dead in their sins and brings us to life. Ephesians 2 says this, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, has made us alive, alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our sins, has saved us by grace, has taken dry bones and put on flesh and spirit. Look what he said in the prophet Ezekiel. Hear the word of the Lord, friends. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. In Isaiah, he promises this. Do not be afraid, you worm, Jacob. <laughs> Don't fear. I myself will help you. I, the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One, I will make you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp with many teeth. Talk about a fan of Dune, Isaiah. You will thresh the mountains, crush them, and reduce the hills to chaff, taking worms and moving them into mountain movers. You're going to stand up and sing that each one of us has Goliath, but it's through the power of Christ Jesus that those giants will be reduced to the nothing that they are. And he sends you out clothed as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, 
with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Teaching you to bear with each other and forgive one another. Forgive as you have been forgiven. And to put love over everything. Because it is the love of Jesus that binds everything together in perfect unity. This is who you are. This is how you look. This is the power that has come to rest upon you. Not one that would manipulate, but one that would serve. Not one that would be given into fear, but rather, look what it says in 2 Timothy, a spirit that gives power, love, and self-discipline. And that doesn't mean that if you have fear or anxiety that you're apart from God, by no means. Look at the promise in 2 Corinthians. He says to Paul that my grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. For Christ's sake, I will delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when we, friends, are weak and have nothing, we are truly strong. Because it is then that our God shows us who He is, the God who stands with us. This and this alone, this promise, this power is the only reason why Jesus leaving would have us cry out in worship and joy. Because who else can, can deliver this? Who else can stare down all of the pain, all of the suffering in our lives and embrace it and exchange it with love? He himself keeps us. He himself ensures that we will be with him forever. He himself says, I will never turn my face from you but we'll be with you always. That, that is the blessing, that is the promise, that we do not have to doubt that we are blessed, that through bombardments of life, of tragedies, of unexpected violence, of toiling, of monotony, of the feeling of never being good enough, the blessing of God does not leave you. So come back to that blessing be renewed by it, be strengthened by it, come to his word and find his peace. And as the band makes their way back up here to lead us in this closing set, know that you have been set apart. That by his blessing, by his calling of your name, he has set you apart to be his. His new people who in their hearts can find rest because he is the God of miracles. He is the God who brings life and death. He is the God who brings hope and fear. We are one in him. We look different. We have different gifts and abilities. But we are one in him. Blessed and sent. What are you waiting for, dude? Start the click. Play the music. <laughs> Blessed to worship. So will you stand with me as we pray?